we know that wasn't acceptable and I can only apologise on behalf of the squad to the fans. I'm getting the apologies in early. This is the Totally Football League show. easily those words could have been of Joe Crilly for not turning up last week. Turns out, though, I'd be misquoting Graham Carey, the Plymouth striker, eating, then offering a large slice of humble pie to the Argyle fans after a 2-0 at Oxford United saw them trade places at the bottom of League One. But from here on in, things are looking up, Graham, because Joe is back. He's packed his William Hill abacus and ready to offer up odds on an Argyle salvation. Right, Joe? Uh, apparently so, yes. Yes, good. Hello. <laughs> Bit more confidence. Well, if not Joe, then Adrian Clark. He'll have them surviving. He of the left foot, right foot. Uh, could be just what they need, Adrian. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> As always. Uh, and I was going to insert something really filthy and below all of you. So I won't. I'll just turn to Sam Parkin because he knows what I mean. Twinkle in his eye. Sam? Good morning. Hmm. Well done, everyone. How you doing? Uh, have you ever apologised for a performance or lack of performance? Not just for you. But for the whole team, collectively, yeah. what, to the press or something? No, to the fans. No, uh, it's no. Not about the fans, Sam. No, I don't buy into that. Why Re- refunding money and all that caper? Oh, but they travelled all that way to see you perform, and then you don't put a shift in. Well, it could turn around the following week, can't it? You just need to pull your sleeves up and make sure you get the three points the next week. Gosh, you're hard, Adrian. You would <laughs> apologise, wouldn't you? I, no, no, oh. not at all. No, I'm, I'm completely on board with that. No, I get it, and I understand the reasons. The reasons why these days it's almost PC to do that, isn't it? But uh, no, I would sort of wallow in my own remorse for 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 a week or so, and then I'd get over it and, and move on. Joe, as a fan, I'm, I'm looking to you for some solace in all of this. Perhaps we, we love it, don't we? We want the players to say, we were awful. You deserve better, all 1,300 of you that travelled. Absolutely. Thank uh, you. And, and one game comes to mind, uh, Bolton nil, uh, Stoke 5 in the FA Cup semi-final. And did the apology go down well? It did. It, I was going to say, it's all well and good. Apologise. I mean, Actions speak louder than words. That's, that's what I think me and Sam are getting at. It's all about the next match. And if there is no reaction, then, then heads probably need to roll. And that game, actually, Bolton came back and beat Arsenal 3-2 in the Premier League. Eighth loss in 13 league games for Plymouth Argyle, but it was the fact it was against Oxford United. It was the fact that Oxford United then go above them in the league. But we'll talk about Argyle a little bit later. A quick catch-up on the Championship, because it was International Week. Although you wanted to talk about England, not least because there's a Championship player on the bench. Yeah, (laughs) Mason Mount. That's it, done. Right, that's the international conversation. For the Championship, read Dean Smith walking in, giving his first press conference as Aston Villa manager. Some of the highlights says uh, he believes the club can be promoted this season. Has to be the aim, he says, back to the Premier League. Uh, Christian Perslow, who brought Smith in, says he and John Terry will be an excellent fit. Smith thinks Terry's input will be very important. Are they being rational or is it just the emotion getting to them? Will Aston Villa get promoted, Adrian? Well, they've certainly got a chance. I think you've just got to look at the forward players, look at the goals they're scoring. They're absolutely in with the shout. But what they need to do is is find the right team. And, and that's what they haven't done so far. It's been a mishmash, hasn't it, Sam, in terms of the defence? They don't have a, a best eleven yet. And that, that will be his first task and, and to shore things up at the back. But, but I have no doubts they've got the players. I'm worried about the keeper. I know I keep banging on about this. I just don't think he's very good. And, and they obviously can't really do a lot about that until January. So they've really got to work overtime on, on the, the team shape and, uh, and defending in general. But no, they can do it. You don't expect him to walk in and say, no, we're not going for promotion this season. But it, it is about whether it's realistic or not. Adrian thinks they've got the kit of parts. Mm. It's just finding out 
where goes where? I think it's going to be difficult, uh, fascinating at the same time, whether Dean Smith plays the same brand of football he did at Brentford, whether he's going to play a 4-3-3. Uh, I think he'll have to come in, and we've spoken a lot about getting his best players into their right positions, and I'm sure that's something that Dean Smith and John Terry will do straight away. Um, in terms of the characters, I know them both well. I worked with John when I was a promising young player, and I worked with Dean when I was a, a washed-up <coughs> veteran. So I, I like Who had more effect? Uh, Dean, probably. I just watched John go and flourish and just knew I was never going to get to that level. But um, I think John will be brilliant. I don't think it'll be a case of John overstepping his position and meddling into things that the manager's going to do. I think John's a good character. He'll be that link between the players and the, and the boss. And Dean, I think he gets a little bit of a... A rough time maybe about not being that vocal on the touchline and not having that in his armory. I've seen him lose it a few times in the dressing room, so I think he's the he was the perfect man for that job. Mm. I didn't think they were going to get him. How they've got him, I don't know. It's a great combination in theory. Hopefully they'll do the business. Yeah, because it, it looks like the club are looking forward for the long term and every other cliche I want to drop at it. Yeah, it should have been the what they were looking to do right from the off. Yeah. I, I can't really understand what took them so long. Yeah. Uh, my only worry, and I've no doubts about that, and I think Sam Sam knows JT a lot better than better than we do, and I have heard good things about his character. I think I think he understands people, and that's a, that's a really, really important uh, and he's quite great despite his superstardom I think he's got that groundedness there my issue is do they view football the same way and I think that if you you have a backroom staff clearly uh, Richard Kelly has come with come with Dean Smith they're on the same page but what if John sees things differently what if they have different ideas I guess that, that Dean Smith will win that argument because he's the boss but you wonder whether there'll be clashes down the road so so watch this space on paper it certainly looks a bit of a dream team you know I have a lot of love for Brentford Joe not least my tattoo but but when you look at Brentford now and where they go from here they have stability around the club right but it's who do they get to replace someone that had been such a focal point well, talking about stability, uh, if we're looking at the prices, Thomas Frank, who is assistant manager, he's caretaker at the moment. He's one to ten. He may or may not be uh, offered the job before the weekend. Uh, but you won't be surprised to hear that name, Danny Cowley, knocking about again. He was obviously um, in the the frame for the Ipswich job at the tail end of last season. Uh, he's third favourite at eight to one, behind Mark Cooper at seven to one. Um, Nathan Jones and Ralph Hassenhutl at uh, ten to one each. Yes, whether they go for the consistency and bring through, develop mm. what's already at the club. Although, with the Cowleys, you always think they're going to get linked to a job like this. My idea, well, my thoughts on it going forward would be just continuation of what they've been doing. So someone from within, someone who's got similar ethos to the, the previous manager and the people above the, the playing level. But, I mean, Danny Cowley knows a way to get results. Um, obviously, excellent organisation, set pieces, etc. But it's been a different style of play. I know they're playing a lot more football this year, Lincoln, but that would that would alarm me, to be honest, to have to change so much. Mark Cooper, again, likes to play football the right way, but would be a big jump. Nathan Jones, to me, would probably be the best fit out of those guys that Joe's just mentioned. But no, I expect it to be someone from within or pluck maybe from foreign shores. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, on the Cowleys, they do everything. They're used to doing everything uh, themselves between them. They work overtime, don't they? And at, at Brentford, everyone's got their roles in the different departments. I, I just don't see that as a as a natural fit, really. And, and to leave Lincoln now when they're, when they're flying so high it might not be an easy thing to do. No, I think it would be the, the guy that's a favourite, Thomas Frank. Yeah, and, and when you think about Nathan Jones and the odds, he's been gone too long. <laughs> 
You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. League One then we head, a normal service has resumed. It's up Pompey as Portsmouth survived a second half fight back to beat Wimbledon. Matt Godden scored twice in seven minutes as Peterborough won at Scunny to reclaim second. And as previously discussed, with apologies heartfelt, the use of Oxford beat Plymouth Argyle 2-0 to leapfrog them at the crinkly bottom. Shall we go Oxford United 2, Plymouth Argyle nil? I mean, it's a... It's not too early to have a six-pointer because clearly it matters down the bottom of the table, but a stinker for our goal. Oh, yeah, supposedly they were abject, really poor performance. I think the timing of the goal, though, the first goal, if it's a massive game like that, and the Oxford players and management would have felt that pressure to get an early one. Jamie Mackey, fourth minute, I think it was, would settle everyone down. Yeah. And I think that was just the continuation of the game. They were far superior. He was excellent. I understand Marcus Brown, uh, Ricky Holmes as well made a real difference and Massinho playing in holding midfield as well. So, I mean, they're going to have to back that up with some performances because I think Carl Robinson is still under enormous pressure there. So that one victory is not going to turn things around completely. But Plymouth, I think it's going to be a real struggle this season. Even the likes of Carey really off their game at the weekend. So massive win, but need to back it up, Oxford. Well, the defending was... Pretty calamitous, wasn't it? <laughs> you got to say, for the goals uh, in, in general. Actually, I thought both both defences had had some horrible moments. From what I could see, did you see the red card? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, I mean, play from Mackey. Good play, yeah. but but is it Jan Sonogo? I mean, that's a diabolical challenge, isn't it? And it's, and it's the kind of challenge that definitely warrants a couple of weeks' wages in terms of a fine. I mean, it was almost as if he was begging to be red carded, and uh, that's shameful. I, I would I would imagine the referee, uh, the the manager Derek Adams has has come for him big time after that because he completely lost his head. Almost He's, like he was begging to be red carded. Sorry, Joe. I know you want to come in. You ever met players that would beg to? Oh, well, around eyebrows. Christmas time. I'm not going to accuse. I'm not going to point the finger, but no. it happens. Not red card. They're probably yellow cards. But sometimes players they don't care if they're suspended. They don't care if they if they do something stupid. They, they, they're just so far down the road of feeling rubbish and being unhappy. And but frustrated. that's a blooming worry, though, isn't it? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, and you you have to get that player in order or get them out of the club, don't you? So it's just, it's but footballers lo- lose their heads and they do silly things. It happens all the time. I was just going to say they've got a, a massive game against Burton as well at the weekend uh, at home. A game that they perhaps be looking at maybe getting a couple of points, uh, three or one. <laughs> and he's obviously <laughs> suspended for for that match now, uh, and he's been. Quite a key player for them. At the other end of the table then, um, I bumped into a very unhappy Wimbledon fan this morning with Portsmouth coming away with that, that 2-1 win. They looked at Portsmouth of late and thought, we can, we can maybe get something, should be getting something at home. You can either go, Wimbledon should have got something, or you can go Portsmouth, back to winning ways, whichever way you want to go. Mm. Well, yeah, Portsmouth deserved it, didn't they, for, for their first half performance. Absolutely bossed it. Um, wasn't, wasn't a problem for them. Um, 
I, th- I thought that the Wimbledon keeper had a bit of a blinder in this game. Uh, McDonnell kept the score down. And it was all about the changes, wasn't it, from Wimbledon at half-time. And I mean, James Hansen, what a peach of a goal that was. Um, and he was, from, from from the bits and bobs that I saw of the game, he was an absolute hand for you. He won every every single header. I would imagine he might he might get into the side ahead of uh, Wimbledon's next outing. But yeah, it was fascinating to see the, the post-match interviews. Neil Ardley, even though his team had come back into it, mm. he still couldn't quite get over the the sort of respect, too much respect that they showed Portsmouth that first half. It was 2-1 to Portsmouth. He said afterwards, it's not a Wimbledon team, it's not a Wimbledon performance. I'm a Wimbledon boy and I know that these fans, what they want, and we didn't deliver at all. Second half we did, it was too late. We've got to change things around now and we've got to come in next week and get it right. We have to get it right. Is pressure on him? Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... I don't know if in retrospect he maybe went a little bit too attacking in the first half because they've got such fluid, good attacking players, Portsmouth, they really exposed. I think the fullbacks pushed on a lot and he'll just be scratching his head as to why they can't produce what they did in the, the second period. Um, Hansen's probably never scored a goal like that in his life. I mean, he scores some outstanding headers. That is a great bit of ability to get them back in the game and they've really did throw the kitchen sink at them. Portsmouth were hanging on for dear life, went to 4-5-1. And he wasn't happy. And I've been in that Kings Meadow dressing room, the away dressing room, and I've heard him at half time a few times. And I was interested to see that he made a couple of changes because I wouldn't imagine it was a particularly nice place to be for mm. the home players because he can lose the plot, by the way, Neil Ardley. So I would imagine they'll get a reaction. But yeah, he's under pressure because they've got a small budget, you would assume, for that level. But he's also because brought... of the ground that they're trying to yeah. focus on building as well. But he's brought these players in. You know, so he has to be accountable. And I've, I've spoke to Eric Samuelson, isn't it, about uh, wanting Neil Ardley to take them into the new stadium. I've said it before on this show. No sentiment in football. No. If they don't pick up, because they only escaped relegation by three points last year, I think. If they don't pick up, then yeah, he's going to come under definite pressure from the supporters. Joe, has anything changed with the relegation odds? Uh, yeah, I, w- I was just looking at the, the Plymouth odds there. They've, they've been odds on for relegation since the Doncaster game where they lost 3-2 at home. And... and each week, each result, they just keep getting pinched uh, half a point. And they're now two to five uh, for relegation. So they're, they're massively odds on to go down. And um, Wimbledon, they, they remain uh, odds against. Five teams, uh, shorter price for relegation than them, but they're five to two and, and perilously looking over their shoulder. Peterborough stay second, three points behind Pompey. A 2-0 win for Peterborough at Scunthorpe. That was Barnsley 3, Luton 2. But the other 3-2 I saw Donny win at Rochdale. But that's not what we're going to talk about because Joe Thompson describes himself on social media as a loving father, a husband and a professional footballer at Rochdale with one hell of a story. Joe, as many of you will know, has had cancer twice in the space of three years. But his story, Darkness and Light, talks about being released by Manchester United, his mum's bipolar and how cancer felt like a snake wrapped around his neck. We had a chat a little earlier on about writing that book. I think I decided to do it after I basically came out of the hospital because I understood the strength and the power that my story held. And I know it's resonated with a lot of people, whether they suffered with cancer firsthand or know someone very close to them that has suffered from it. So I needed to make the decision and not so much be selfish and go inwards, but be open and be as honest as possible with people. And that's what I've been throughout the book, not just regarding cancer, but also my upbringing and insight into football and just all the types of aspects that I feel that I can 
help and share people through my life experiences. There is more to life than football. Um, and I think what I've gone through is put football and life into perspective. And as long as I'm healthy um, and able to help my family out, that's all that really matters to me now. And your mum's a big presence in this book, Joe. Tell us about her. Yeah, no, and I've gone on record and said before, she is the absolute star of my life. Um, I owe her so much and I'm so proud of what she has achieved. I know it's tough for any mum to bring up um, children on their own. and But when it comes the aspect of my mum's mental illness, and she has suffered from bipolar since I was eight, and so she's been in and out of hospitals and had to deal with things that a lot of parents struggle with in general. Um, so I do, I try and be as honest as possible. And I know she's ever so proud of what me and my brother have done because um, she's literally dragged us up at times and she's done her best and she's always done her best. And I think that's then been passed down to me. So no matter the situation, no matter what's in your way, Find a way to get over it, whether it's under it, round it, through it. Just make sure you plug on because you need to be resilient. Because life's not perfect and nobody's life's perfect. So I think dealing with setbacks is a massive thing for anybody. And I'm just grateful that I've learned things along the way from my mum. And we're just talking to you as you're about to go into training. How's your health? How's, how's your form? How, how is it back playing football? Yeah, no, I've, I've struggled a little bit at the start of this season. Um, to get a bit of the rhythm. I got through the whole of pre-season and I know the manager and everyone, even the lads to a certain extent, I don't think they was expecting that with me training so, well, not very frequent last year. I was probably in the gym from Monday to Thursday and then would get out on the grass and then play on the Saturday if I was chosen. So I think my training's at a be scaled down and but I'm enjoying football um, I'm also enjoying what's going to come after football but it's, life's a ride and setbacks come and little injuries and little niggles are part of football and I'll just make sure I try and get over them as soon as possible. And you are a professional athlete how has it been with these these setbacks do you think it's made you more aware of your body of how you're feeling more so than than other footballers? No, I think I'm I'm very body conscious, body aware now. Um, and like I say, I was very ill the first time. The second time did catch me off guard because I was playing well and training week in, week out. Um, but they'd caught it as early as possible. Um, so I think for me, I then played on for three or four months with it. Uh, and that was a tough period because I would question whether training was this hard whether the match was taking its toll or whether it was the cancer basically taking over and trying to effectively kill me from the inside. Um, So little niggles and stuff like that, I don't get worked up about now. I I know my body well and I put things in place by changing my diet and stuff like that and going plant-based and I believe in it. So I've got faith in what I'm doing and what I'm putting in. So I'm pretty sure that it won't be coming back. Aside from the the health issues then, you've had a lot to deal with with your football career. You were released early from Manchester United, had to deal with that. Do you think back to that time? Do you you give other young players advice that are coming through? Frequently. um, They need to be aware of the potential of getting released. Um, 
you'll go far and wide to find a footballer that's not been released from a club. So there's been times in my career where I've been sat at home and my wife is looking at me like, come on, Joe, are you, what's the script? Where are we going to get the next contract from? So pressure comes with football, um, but it can also make diamonds. And I usually rise to a pressure environment. So it's something, like I say, comes with football and it's part and parcel. And it's like a roller coaster. You're going to enjoy the highs when you get them and you make sure you do and celebrate them with your teammates and whatnot. But there's going to be times where it's a bit of a lonely road and you've got to figure things out for yourself. Um, so I've done that and I think probably getting released from Manchester United at like 15, 16, at such a tricky age, I felt like I lost my identity to a certain extent. But I think that probably gave me the courage and the belief that if I get over this, I can get over quite a lot because it was my the end of the world for me at the time, even though I know there's other opportunities elsewhere in loads of other jobs. Listeners, we know you love football and we know you love listening to people talk about football. So here's something that's right up your street. It's the new audiobook version of Kevin Keegan's autobiography, My Life in Football. Keegan is one of the greatest players in English football history, famed for his style on the pitch, his relentless ambition and his passion for the game. Over nearly half a century as a player and a manager, there's little that King Kev hasn't done. There were the Ballon d'Ors, the Flares and the Perms with Liverpool and Hamburg in the 70s, that surprise stint with Southampton in the 80s, the 4-3s and the Love It, Love It with Newcastle in the 90s and, of course, in the noughties, resigning in the Wembley toilets with England and his controversial bust-up with Mike Ashley on his return to Newcastle. Two shocking moments in football that Kevin discusses in print for the very first time. Hear the highs and experience the lows by downloading the audiobook of My Life in Football from Audible now. Just head to audible.co.uk and search for My Life in Football. Joe Thompson and keep an eye out on the social at The Totally Show. Hopefully we've got some of Joe's books to give away. So watch out for a competition there. His book out now. Um, Joe talks about being released by Manchester United, Sam, and and how actually that made him gritty, made him tougher for what was to come with with cancer and also with his, his football career that resilience but it can go one of two ways can't it you can either go right that's it I'm I'm done with football or like him you can build up that grit yeah I've got a lot of friends obviously that were released from from Chelsea or uh, their first football league clubs and fell out of football and been very difficult for them so yeah you have to use it as a tool I suppose that motivation that desire to make your way back up the ladder and he's a, a great example of finding a club and getting a career and what he's had to go through in his life is absolutely incredible. What I will say is I think he's got a great manager in that regard in Keith Hill and some teammates that I know very well, Ian Henderson, Calvin Andrew. And I know Ian Henderson, his captain, has has really helped, uh, I don't know, support him through this with the other teammates as well. But it was great seeing him get that goal, you know, to keep them in the, keep them up, wasn't it, last year? Yeah, back in May. Yeah, it was incredible. And um, every time he speaks, you can't have... You can't not have admiration for him. And I think in football dressing rooms, generally when something, always when something bad happens to one of the players, we all rally around. Uh, we really do. I mean, I was unfortunate to, I lost a teammate, you know, when I was uh, at Swindon, um, a former teammate, and it had a really real effect on the dressing room. But we all got closer because of that. You did talk about it then? Um, we did. Yeah, we did. And I think initially it was horrendous. Um, it showed in our performances. You didn't want to be there. But it had not a positive impact, but it made us closer as a unit. And obviously, um, you know, we probably got some performances off the back of having that in our mind. 
I know you've heard him talk a number of times, Adrian, and, and you get that spirit, you get that side of it. Absolutely, yeah. No, the f- football dressing rooms are like families, aren't they? And you, you do, in, in times of adversity, you do you do pull together. Um, yeah, it's a remarkable story. He showed great grit and it just has to come from within. The only, I don't have any personal experience like Sam of, of tragedy inside the dressing room, but, but in terms of your own problems being released, you're on your own. You're out there on your own, unfortunately, when not every player has an agent that can bail them out or, or someone that can get them in at a club. You, you're you just out there in the wild on your own and, and you can you can easily fall by the way. So you could easily be forgotten. Mm. You've got to s- somehow try and summon up the courage and the mental strength to, to come back and fight. Boy, has he done that on, on several different levels so far. The amazing thing about this is what it would have done to his, his physical shape yeah. as well. To get back and play an elite football, given all the treatment that he's been through, that must have been so difficult mentally, but physically as well, to get back and be training at an elite level and playing mm-hmm. you know, in, in League One. Absolutely incredible story. Yeah, he's, you can have a look at on social media. He shows a, a picture at the end of his treatment back when he was, he was playing again and just seeing, you're right, the body shape change to his book is out now let's return to results from the weekend in league one then an Accrington three Bradford City one more than at least once at the weekend I saw Accrington Stanley what a surprise to the league and what they're doing they continue on on doing it well they're flying aren't they especially at home it's it's never been an easy place to to, to go I know it's a cliche but it really isn't um, you know it's, it's a long way for most teams it's not a big crowd but but they they've found a way of playing and it looks like they found a front man in Zanzala that that can really ruffle feathers in that in that division. Um, great story, by the way, uh, on him, Ofrande Zanzala. Um, his car broke down on the, on the way to the game and uh, he, he didn't know if he's going to make it. He was with a few others and uh, yeah, he got there at 20 past two. And I, I do know of managers that would have dropped him um, for, for being late and just saying, like, I can't hang on any longer. But fair play to, to Coleman for, for holding fire, holding his nerve. He wanted to pick him and, and he did repay him. He scored a great goal, won the penalty, great pace in behind. And yeah, I've, I've played in, in teams where, where we've had players didn't make it until mm-hmm. halfway through the first half. It happens. And, and, and as much as players moan about meeting up at 11 o'clock for a pre-match meal, that is, and going together to games, that's the reason managers do it. I, I think, uh, yeah, the days of players going in their car to a game might be on the way out. Yeah, but you'd know if someone was trying to sell you one, wouldn't you? As it not sell you a car, want to buy a car? You'd know that. But if they're if they're telling the truth, whether it happens a lot, whether it's yeah. out of character. Yeah, exactly. I, I did. I did. Uh, get a lift to a reserve game once with with a player that didn't want to play in it and he stopped at the car wash and no uh, had, yeah had a full service had a full, had a full full gold star car wash <laughs> what uh, were you telling him we like to... yeah yeah he didn't care he did not care um but but what what he didn't realize was that everybody was late because it was horrendous traffic and uh, even though we arrived half an hour after the kickoff time um so did everyone else so uh, like we were only 5 minutes after everyone else but that is the mentality of some footballers footballers it will happen in the god reserve game not first team game no no player will want to skip it why am I looking at you like you've got a story <laughs> no no I haven't honestly. <laughs> yeah no. whatever uh, we'll skip that then any other results from league one at the weekend you want to talk about um, well no just to, to add to that um, I think Bradford's a very sticky spell for them obviously with a new manager and I understand they were very long in the first half very direct and started playing a bit more through Payne who's probably their best player in mm. the second period he knitted it together but no, I think that the points Adrian makes for about Zanzala 
coming in to replicate what Caden Jackson gave them last year. And you have to try and take the burden off Billy Key because he's not going to be able to, you know, notch every week. So that's been a really important uh, added bonus, I think, for, for John Coleman. And things are amazing there. And I said it before the season, because of the nature of where they play their home games, and you could put Luton into that category, those two, Luton and Accrington, great, I wouldn't say outside bets, great shouts for getting in the playoffs. Burton did it. Burton did it, didn't they? So, so I think if they can, Accrington. Okay, it's a smaller club, but they've they've got a chance. Two quick ones on on League One. Fleetwood. We should mention uh, Ash Hunter, the the right winger. I wasn't aware of this before the weekend, but ten assists already this season in, in twelve games from from the right wing. Joey Barton singing singing his praises. Great cross for for one of Paddy Madden's goals. Uh, and my former club South End, uh, great result for them at, at, at Gillingham. And they've found what they've lacked in recent years is is strikers that will score consistently 20-plus goals. They might have two now. They've got Simon Cox, who got a couple at the weekend, and uh, Tom Hopper, both got six. So so I think Southend, they're long shots to go up, but I think they'll be in and around the playoff picture. And, and, and stat-wise, um, Simon Cox, six goals this season, all in the second half of mm. games. Tom Hopper, six goals, five of them in the second half. So the, less, the, the moral of the story is, I think, if you're Chris Powell, don't take them off. If they haven't scored after 60 minutes, keep those two guys on. I love how you're trying to do Joe's job. He says they're a long shot, Joe. We'll ask you about that. But at the Totally Show for your thoughts. Apologies, by the way, to Daryl, who I used to start the show last week and then said it wasn't a very good start. I mean, it was Daryl, but, you know, it wasn't great. And I don't think I've dug myself out there. Uh, Joe, anything shifted in League One? Uh, well, South End are a bit of a long shot, but not as long as you would have thought. They're 7-1 to one for promotion. Um talked a little bit about Accrington they're actually half the price that they were at the start of the season or just a little bit shorter they were 33 to 1 for promotion at the start of the season they're now 16 to 1 they won't like that they won't like that they'll be like just don't talk about us still long Um, long enough and then at the top still Barnsley Sunderland odds on to get promoted but Portsmouth are now into even money Um, so it it looks like it's going to be a race between those three Luton and Peterborough both 5-2 to for promotion because it is funny we go Portsmouth, Peterborough they they won't stay the course they won't hang on but every week that they do and nibble back again those odds shorten thank you Joe but it's to the late late League 2 show we head Listeners, come rain or shine, your friends here at Muddy Knees Media deliver a whole host of podcasts to your ears every single week. And that's why we're giving the thumbs up to ShipStation. Yep, ShipStation, America's number one e-commerce shipping software, is now available in the UK. Why is that exciting, you may ask? Well, if you're selling online, you want to get your orders out quickly and keep your customers happy. And that's where ShipStation comes in. ShipStation imports your online orders from anywhere you sell, from eBay to Amazon and even your own web store. So whether you dispatch one package per day or thousands per week, ShipStation is the shipping software for you. You'll get orders out fast and keep your customers happy. Happy customers mean more orders, and that is good for business. Because you listen to the Totally Football League show, you can try ShipStation free for 30 days, plus get a special bonus when you use the promo code LEAGUE. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in LEAGUE. That's ShipStation.com, and enter the promo code LEAGUE. ShipStation.com. Get ship done. To League Two then, and then there were none. Who had Northampton down as the team to beat Forest Green? Me neither. And we were all right 
until the 97th minute. And then an eighth goal, goal fest at Vale Park. We'll talk about that too. It uh, means we're not crowbarring in Port Vale this week, who aren't quite living up to their name thanks to the joy of six. Lincoln and Newport get their goal difference to zero in the 98th minute. All of that means we're not going to start with the results from the weekend. I want to start with Exeter City's Jaden Stockley, who said this week, I saw one stat with Messi, Ronaldo, Stockley the other day, and I was laughing my head off. And that's because, Joe, when it comes to goal-scoring exploits, not just in League Two, Jaden Stockley is holding the rest of England up at the moment. Yeah, uh, and as you can well imagine, he's clear favourite at 7-2 to be top scorer in League Two. 22 goals so far in this calendar year, which is more than Messi and Ronaldo. So everyone signed Jaden Stockley up? Definitely. I think if you look at Christian Deutsch going to Bolton, that's uh, what you need to judge it against. I think everyone will be looking at him. I think championship clubs will be looking at him. I think he's a very good hold-up player. Uh, he's got a good um, partner in Jonathan Forte at the moment. I think they're a big reason as to why they've had such a good start down there, but he's getting... A great amount of goals from deliveries they've got good quality going into the air and he's phenomenal in the air as well so uh, yeah, I'm disappointed because they beat Swindon at the weekend 2-0 yeah I mean they were very limp by all accounts a lot of nice football with Swindon which you come to associate with, with them over the last few years but no penetration I think Exeter got their goals very easily and then just sat in 4-4-1-1 uh, those two up top and, and made it very difficult for Swindon to find any any kind of um, route back to goal so Great start to the season for Exeter. Jane Stockley, the main reason for that. Those are uh, some of the results from the weekend. Let's try and flesh them out a little bit. Northampton 2, Forest Green 1. The previously only unbeaten record in the Football League gone, Adrian. Yeah, it is gone. Uh, but it was coming, wasn't it? Because Forest Green keep up giving leads, uh, giving up leads rather. They've scored first in nine of 13 games. And won two. I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it? In terms of... You've got to look at their game management and what they're doing once they're going in front. Are they are they sitting on it? I haven't watched them in depth week in, week out. I'm interested to know, but it, it was coming. But it's a fiery old game, wasn't it? I saw, it was a great little skirmish. We love a skirmish, don't we, in the technical area? And Kevin Van Veen was... He was at the hub of everything, wasn't he, at the weekend? Uh, came off the bench. Did you see his tweet? I paraphrase. He basically bigged himself up massively. What, what a way to make an impact. He said... <laughs> You, you, you win the corner that we score from, you hit the ball away, then you chase down the the guy to supply an assist in the 98th minute. Aren't I great? Or something, like, something along those lines. Who's trying to get a move there? Well, exactly. Look, you might not have an agent. Yeah, you've got, you've got to big yourself up sometimes. But yeah, he was clearly pumped up. It was a brilliant assist, wasn't it, in terms of the way he hunted the defender. I think it was Shepard for Forrest Green, who will probably hang his head in shame. But yeah, the scenes were amazing, weren't they? The the fans on the pitch, coaches on the pitch. It was all a little bit OTT, you'd think. But that goes to show sort of the, the pressure Northampton were under. So, um, yeah, look, upward curve. Two, two wins, two draws under curve. Van Veen said at the start of the season that he was going to get 20 goals this season. And I didn't mention it on the show, but I thought, you silly boy. <laughs> you silly boy. Because I was at Northampton, I couldn't buy a goal. And they're not the most forgiving supporters either. So he's got a lot of ability. But it's funny the way the manager and his, um, his teammates speak about him. I think he's quite difficult to manage. Andy Williams was speaking about it after his winner. And there's a little subplot to that as well. Andy Williams' first competitive goal for Northampton. And this is a bloke who scored all the time for Mark Cooper at Swindon. So he did the business against his former boss at the weekend. Forrest Green, I've seen a lot of them. I like Mark Cooper. They play lovely stuff. He's very flexible. They played a three a lot at the back. They played a diamond at times. 
I worry about them at both ends. And I know the statistics say they're creating loads of chances, but you have to have someone to put them away. And it's a big burden on Ruben Reed. There's Dale Grubb, who I like. Uh, there's Williams, who came in from Fulham, who's a very gifted footballer. Those are the type of players that need to start scoring um, to put the the polish on what they do mm. throughout the thirds. Defensively, again, the goalkeeper Sanchez is on loan. He's cost them a few goals. And I, I just worry that there's something missing at both ends for them. I don't think they're going to struggle. I mean, last year at this point, they were one off the bottom. I think it's 13, 14 points different uh, in where they are now. So it's been a phenomenal start to the season. Um, but I just think they're going to be short to be real contenders. Yeah, just wonder what expectation is really. If that was late, Newport 2, Stevenage 1, that was a 98th minute winner. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, Newport keep doing it. They're a bit like Swindon, aren't they? They're comeback specialist Newport. So, so yeah, from from the reports I read on this game, Stevenage kind of sat on it, and they, they it was one of those they were happy with the point, and they paid a price for it. Um, yeah, a bit bit of drama down there in South Wales, and Newport continued to sort of confound that those that think that just assume really that they're going to fall away. I think I think they're they're doing terrifically well. Great spirit there. Uh, I was just going to say as well, it was a very punter-friendly weekend uh, this weekend. A lot of big winners on the accumulators because a lot of favourites picked up three points. And uh, there was one chap who placed a £20 11-fold, uh, £134,000, oh. and he was waiting on Newport to win. No! <laughs> Tranmere won Macclesfield nil. We spoke a lot about this because we had Nicola Palios on last week. Uh, Friday night, Macclesfield are just doing all sorts of shtuck. Yes, they are. Yeah. All right, that's it. Done. No, I mean, they need to get a manager in place, don't they? Um, I know it's Danny Whitaker and Neil Howarth in, in charge at the moment, and they're the 1 0 specialist tram, aren't they? 1 0 to the Arsenal up there. And they don't score many, but they don't concede many. Friday night, I'm sure it was a, a good gate. And again, that chat we spoke about last week, Gilmore making the difference. I think they've been very clever in terms of who they've brought in. Uh, Mickey Mellon I know that Ollie Banks has had a really good start to the season he's getting licensed to get into the box they've got Luke McCulloch he's the anchor in the midfield he's the industry there it's not just about Norwood I just worry again about the goals there I know they had Cook last season and he left was it freedom of, uh, I think it was a free transfer I just worry like if Norwood does go through a bit of a barren spell who's going to get them out of the mire but yeah. Gilmore's doing a good job currently yeah I was I was going to make exactly the same point the, the, it's good to have someone else scoring the goals um, on that, I looked it up, 47% of their league goals this year have come from Norwood. So, look, take him out of that team. That's, well, that's, I mean, that's Nicola said that they're trying, aren't they, to hang on to him and we'll see maybe maybe something happened in January. Well, listen, if he if he gets a good offer in, in January and he's not signed a contract. Yeah. 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 Uh, we were going to talk about Lincoln 6, or Port Vale 2, Lincoln 6, but I think Lincoln fans are probably annoyed enough that we've linked Danny Cowley to every job going, so maybe we won't talk about that. I know you want to shout about old Luke Norris at Colchester United. Yeah, I mean, his awareness, I think, got highlighted over the weekend for these two assists and his goal as well. 3-1 win over Crawley. Yeah, 3-1 win. They're going great guns and they've got Schmodix and... Uh, Nublay Nublay sorry scored the, the wonderful goal from Norris's assist but you can't it, call him Nubal you can't call him Nublay Nublay like my former te- teammate Danny Invincible who 
wanted to be called Danny Vinci Blay. No way. You're invincible, son, when you play like that. Um, no, Luke. Was... He didn't. No, 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 no. He didn't. He didn't say no, he didn't. He, I think he was Italian descent. He's an Australian boy. I believe boy. anything you say, Sam. Australian boy, Italian descent, the best looking footballer I ever played with. So uh, he had everything, the boy. And I believe he's coaching in Thailand now uh, after playing, seeing out his career over there. So he's got it all. Uh, anyway, Luke Norris, much maligned, I would say. Um, it's unfair at, at Swindon Town. Got a little bit of criticism. What I liked about him, I saw a bit of me and him. He, he was a very gifted footballer. And I think sometimes players can hide when it's not going well for them. He never did that, Luke Norris. He was always first to, to go and close down and take the ball and stuff like that. And he was top goal scorer there last season. And I think they'll probably be looking at that and regretting that he's gone elsewhere. And he's really producing the goods. Got an absolute thunderous right boot. Gets free kicks. He's been scoring from distance this year. And he loves fishing, which I liked about him more than anything. I'd, I interviewed him a few times over the last few seasons. And uh, after a day off, I'd say, good to recharge the batteries. Found a nice lake in Wiltshire when done Do the fishing. Like fishing. No. Do I, do I strike you as the type do you, you might want to shift that because aren't Sky still looking for they do that that celebrity fishing yeah. show hmm. you fancy that no you love fishing oh no. yeah. Jimmy Bullard <laughs> Jimmy Bullard Lee Bowyer Lee Bowyer and Luke Norris they, <laughs> just, um, they might just have the best front four in the division or one off culture the one you missed out is Courtney Senior um, he was brilliant as well in that particular game with loads of pace. So so they're, they're spreading the goals around Colchester. I think they're doing really, really well under under John McGreal. And what I've noticed about their goals, a lot of them are coming from turnovers. So a little bit like Barnsley where they're winning the ball back in good areas and then boom, they just come alive. And they've got Norris that holds it together, but a lot of speed merchants around them. So it's a well-played Colchester. Um, on Port Vale, we barely give Port Vale a mention. But I did notice that, obviously, it was the 6-2. I read in the local paper there, Stoke Sentinel, that Norman Smirthwaite, who I think is, is, is on the board there, yeah. he, he barged past the press to go to the back office to basically summon Neil Aspen in afterwards. And he had a face like thunder. This was all in front of the assembled press. And they all were obviously huddling outside, waiting, waiting for news to emerge. And when they came out, there was no news, which was obviously great for Aspen and Co, but they'd had a serious chat about about things. I know Aspen has said that it was his worst day in football in, in 37 years. On that, I mean, the go- it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, if you count up the way they conceded the goals, I mean, one long throw, four corners, all of them near post, weren't they, Sam? I mean, th- yeah. that, that is like a manager's hellhole of a game, isn't it? It's, and, it's a and disaster. Some, someone on the Lincoln bench who's done his prep and all his set pieces, <laughs> just ticking them all off on his notepad. But they've done that to a lot of teams, haven't they, yeah. Lincoln? But I think Port Vale, I think they played four centre-halves across yeah, the, the back that, yeah. just to try and accommodate for, for what Lincoln try and do. But I think that leaves your supporters and probably some of the lads as well that are yeah. left out mm. in the dressing room, scratching your heads to think, well, why is he playing right back if um, that's my specialist position? Or why is he playing left of uh, the midfield, etc.? Yeah. Add to that, no Tom Pope, who you know is the top man there. And um, he's Port Vale through and through. And yeah, they got two goals, didn't they? But obviously shipped the six. So I don't think it's necessarily about what they're doing attacking-wise. Um, he's going to do well to keep his job because I think Port Vale have tried to put ex-players in there before. It's not worked. Um, I think, again, looking at what they're conceding and what they're scoring, it looks like it's going to be, you know, um, top of the, the bottom half at best for them. And whether that's good enough for the supporters, yeah. you have to question. Not great. Um, on that, play, being without players, without Pope, without Montero, probably their best two players, maybe. Um, there is a real lucky charm there at Port Vale as well. Manny Onyelike, 
central midfielder. The record with him is 14 points from eight games. The record without him is no points from the other five. So, first so, name, so look, if, if, you're, if I'm him, seriously, if I'm him, he's injured at the moment. If I'm him and I'm ever left out, just play the, the tape of the Totally Football League show and uh, to the manager and just say, look, you can't leave me out. Can't leave me out. I mean, not just when he's out, but clearly every week you should be downloading it and playing out in dressing rooms up and down the country. Joe Crilly from William Hill. Anything changed in League Two? Uh, not particularly. Uh, Lincoln, one to four uh, for promotion. Uh, some of the teams that we were talking about there, Tranmere, 100 to 30. Uh, so that makes them eighth favourites for promotion. Newport, three to one. Uh, Colchester, seven to four to go up. Uh, and at the bottom, it's looking pretty grim for Macclesfield, four to six. Odds on for relegation uh, with Morecambe, the next closest team at two to one. We're going to quickly preview some of the games from the weekend. I say quickly because I want to look at Anglian Times. Producer Ben has pulled up Tony Hibbert's fishing tackle. What more could I want from life? <laughs> right, quick look ahead to the weekend. Some of those I've picked out. Friday night, see Sheffield Wednesday, sixth in the championship take on Middlesbrough, who are fourth. Villa in 15th, new manager and all face the Swans in 11th. Derby take on Sheffield United, who are top. And in Stephen Evans's Steve Evans's. Evans's is not easy to say. I mean, it probably is easy to say. And at this point, you're all shouting, saying, Evans, Evans's. Mm. I can say it. His column in the Football League paper at the weekend, which is almost as good as your Sam Parkin, says they'll take some shifting from the top. In League One, we've got the Posh against Stanley, Pompey, Fleetwood, and then El Glossico, Forest Green, Cheltenham, the Gloucestershire Derby. Who goes where? You can have whatever you like from the weekend. Um, Charlton against Barnsley just because I feel like I'm going to go down to the valley on Saturday and take that in it's and always I'm, the coldest place to watch football though but do continue yeah, I didn't have a good experiences there as a as a player either got thumped a few times and yeah got knocked out as well I feel very early oh, on so actually thumped yeah no it was a clash of heads I think right. but yeah I remember being worse for wearing the, in the dressing rooms there once upon a time as well um, but yeah looking forward to that that's a good test for Charlton very good test and looking forward to seeing Daniel Stendhal's team in the flesh for the first time who have got some very exciting players young players as well like Monker at Colchester he was very good for 45 minutes against Luton and looking forward to seeing that real um, explosive front two that Charlton have got in Taylor and Carlin Grant so it should be a really good one yeah no I don't disagree I, I think Derby Sheffield the one you pulled out is a, is a really good one that's the, the Saturday evening game isn't it um be interested to see who plays for Derby uh, Mason Mount how would he respond he's been away with England is he I'm not going to say he's going to come back a changed man, but is it is he going to is he is it going to inspire him or is he going to start strolling around the pitch? I don't think he will. He's only he's only a teenager, of course. But but all eyes will be on him. It's a, it's a cracking game because Sheffield United are, are up there on merit. We sort of they were a slow burner, weren't they? But mm. but they've they've found their groove, playing some lovely football. Uh, the system's working. John Egan is is a guy that I think is shining big time. So his match up with whoever plays up front could be the key there. Last time out, I think it was Marriott with Mount in behind. So, so I'd expect Marriott to probably keep his place. So, so that one's uh, a jewel to look out for. Jojo? Uh, I've got two here. Uh, Stoke, Birmingham, Gary Rowett. Uh, Gary Rowett Derby can we say that um, I, I think there'll be half and half scarves Gary uh, yeah. on one side Rowett on the other <laughs> Stoke are just a shade above evens to win that and dropping into League One uh, Pompey Fleetwood looks like it. it'll be a corker as well if you have a thought on anything in life at the Totally Show to get in touch with us thank you Adrian that's alright thank you Sam cheers and Joe 
Thank I mean, you. you've been, <laughs> Joe. Thank you. And to you for listening. Your thoughts welcome throughout the week. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our brand new podcast for this season, the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.